And now, here's your host, Alex Litwack. Welcome. With me today is one of my all-time favorite people who I haven't gotten to see in quite some time. He is the executive director of Earth Charter Indiana, which we will discuss during our conversation. So welcome, Jim Poyser. Nice to see you after all these, well, a couple of years, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Do I seem taller? Um, while you're sitting down, I yeah. can't tell. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are on the porch. We are going to put up with a little bit of noise. We're going to put up with maybe some animals, you know, coming by. Passers-by. Passers-by. It's fine. We mm -hmm. can handle it. We can handle that. We're, we're good people. We can handle the plural of passerby. <laughs> <laughs> like attorneys general, right? <laughs> these, are, these are really important things for the brain to retain. There was a, a four-year period where things were looking really grim for the climate. Are we in as grim a place as we could possibly be? From a carbon emission um, increase standpoint, yes. From efforts to get a handle on our carbon emissions, and, and by that I mean greenhouse gas pollution emissions in various forms, carbon, methane, hydrofluorocarbons, uh, etc. None of that is looking a whole lot less grim, uh, to be honest. We do, we of course see in this current administration more of an embrace of climate, kind of across the board, um, and we can get into some of that locally um, uh, in terms of the American Rescue Plan and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, things are, we're still, um, you know, uh, uh, hell bent on a destruction of the planet, it would seem. Um, but we have to keep moving, put one foot in front of the other, and do everything we can to uh, save as much of this habitat as we can for for the younger generations coming up. I just always picture Florida and the East Coast underwater. That the rising sea levels are just, I don't know how we stem that tide, literally. Yeah, well, there, I don't think there is. There aren't any walls we can build. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there are potentially technologies that can remove carbon, uh, excess carbon from the atmosphere. I mean, honestly, the plastic, uh, uh, the microplastic pollution crisis is, is maybe just as bad. I mean, pick your poison, right? We've figured out so many different ways to, to make ourselves extinct. If only we weren't making all the animals uh, uh, extinct right along with us. It might even be a little bit of a different matter to consider existentially. Uh, but. You know, it's. Uh, I, I don't know why we're we're hell bent to to destroy ourselves, but um, I mean, I, I think some of the answers are our systems are rigged that way, right? Uh, sorry to use the R word, but but you know, in terms of of how do you not get plastic when you go places? It's really hard. It's very difficult to, to avoid plastic. It's really hard to to um, adopt uh, sustainable lifestyles. You know, across the board, transportation, food. Um, energy especially? Human beings have a certain level of arrogance and infallibility. The heck they do! <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> it, it's just tragic that we have been so short-sighted for, for quick rewards, for things coming to us faster. We have allowed ourselves to destroy what we really need the most. Yeah. And lest the listeners feel they better turn the proverbial dial, we will have plenty of good news. Good. 
That's what I was about. looking for. Good but, news. But, but let's also recognize that we are in a climate emergency. And as Greta would say, I love the analogy, the house is on fire. And most of what we're doing is running with glasses of water into the conflagration, hoping that we can actually put it out. Yeah, one little Band-Aid is not going to cut it. No, one little glass of water. Mm -hmm. Now, there are more and more glasses of water, but we need a fire hose yes. to, to tackle it. And there are just too many people that are focused on the now, focused on today's profit, focused on, you know, well, that's not doable. Well, I'm sorry, it has to be doable because it's that serious. What do you do personally? What I do personally is, um, well, you, we can see my bike yeah. uh, here. I, I ride as many places as I can. I have to say, I put, I just filled my car up for the sixth time since June 25th of last year. Wow, So Jim. I'm averaging, you know, less than a tank of gas every month. Now, of course, COVID is, is great that way, right? I haven't had to travel around mm -hmm. Indiana. Um, I have the past month, which I'm happy to tell you why. But for the most part, I ride my bike everywhere I go. Uh, obviously, the COVID Zoom and, and Teams and other platforms movement is something that I will continue to embrace as a way to lower carbons. Um, in terms of energy, I try and keep things as energy efficient in my house as possible, but I'm not, I don't have solar panels, right? Um, and in terms of diet, you know, since we've last talked, I've adopted a diet I call the We Are The Weather Diet. And We Are The Weather is a book by Jonathan Safran Foer. Yes. F-O-E-R, who I, who is most famous for writing the book Everything Is Illuminated, which was turned into a, a, a film. Uh, a, a decade and a half ago, I think. But anyway, it's a, you know, I've read, you know, dozens of climate books, right? It's like, why do I need to read one more? Well, I read this one anyway, and, you know, it's a beautiful story about about sitting at his, I think it's his his uh, grandmother's deathbed, or, or perhaps it's his mother. See see how well I'm t I took it in the book? <laughs> well, it's been a little while since I read it. Anyway, beautiful story that is part memoir and part climate. And he, he says, this is just super simple. And for the vegans that are listening, they're going to think I'm pathetic, right? You know, but I do love and admire people who have gotten rid of animal products altogether. But here's Jonathan's idea. No animal products before dinner. So that basically takes care of breakfast and lunch. For those of you who, who are wondering what I'm talking about, breakfast and lunch, I don't have animal products anymore. Now dinner, I might have uh, zero animal products or I might have some. I might have meat. I might have cheese, which the carbon footprint of cheese outdistances many meat forms. And if I do have meat, I get it from an Indiana farm, so there's a little bit of that. So, you know, and I know that lots of conversations with environmentalists about their diet descends into <laughs> internecine debate. Of course, I give 100% of my life to climate activism. And uh, recently, I actually uh, became carbon neutral in my house through Carbon Neutral Indiana. Cool. Which is a way to sort of assess how much carbon you are producing per person in your household. And then I now pay a monthly fee to, to create offsets for that. Now, there's all sorts of complications around this offset idea, but basically my money is going to, to uh, rainforest uh, restoration. And it, it, it's nowhere to rest, right? Any progress that we make is nowhere to rest. But hey, let's not, let's not ruin ourselves trying to be 100% perfect when we could be 80% perfect, spread the word, 
and keep this thing progressing. And I think striving for perfection is unattainable. I think that just proves to be more stressful. Oh, we exist, therefore we're a carbon problem. Exactly, exactly. The only perfect people are the people that aren't here. <laughs> Wherever we're here. Yes. Because when you, I mean, you know, whatever, give it a shot. Like, like most of our habits are bad for us and bad for the planet when it comes to transportation, yes. uh, uh, you know, convenience, period. Uh, so go ahead and try something and probably it will be a positive impact for your health and for your pocketbook. Which is a good thing. Yes. Very good thing. All right. What do you think is happening in this American Rescue Plan that you're feeling good about? Well, first of all, Biden seems to be addressing poverty in all the decisions that are made. And I think that is really important. You know, um, the, the Earth Charter, which Earth Charter Indiana is based on, was released 20 years ago this year. And it basically says you can't really solve the climate crisis. And they were calling it the climate crisis 20 years ago because it was, right? This is a slow moving crisis, but in geological time, of course, it's moving very quickly. Temperature is rising very quickly. Um, you can't solve the environmental challenges, the climate crisis, without solving poverty. And you can't solve poverty without solving racism. And you can't solve racism without solving the crisis in democracy. And then take what I just said and mix it all up to potentiate 16 different ways to say that. I just did the math. I might be wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. You interconnect all those things and yeah. say them every conceivable way. You might get 16. You might get 144. I don't know. But anyway, all these things are connected, right? So I really like that he's doing that for the immediate relief, um, but also for, um, you know, the potential climate uh, plus that it makes. I think the infrastructure plan is a, is a great boost for climate as well. So that's good. Now, the American Rescue Plan, which I would really like to sort of figure out through the Indiana Department of Education is, is what I would like to, to sort of get this information from, is qualified spending as part of the American Rescue Plan money for schools is training for teachers in climate literacy and programs for climate literacy. Now, that's what Earth Charter Indiana is all about. We're in schools all over the state, mostly in Marion County, and, and we're, we're growing gardens, and we're assisting schools in transitioning to LED lighting. We're, we're helping schools go for zero-waste cafeterias, plastic reduction, giving them money, literally, under our Thriving Schools Challenge program, and, and also pushing curricula change. And, and so this idea that there might actually be money for professional development for teachers to teach climate literacy is really important. The second component is the built environment. If you're going to re-retrofit your school with filters and, 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 and you know, HVAC cleansing systems, right? You can tell I, I, I do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go ahead and, and yeah. create some sustainable building uh, upgrades as well, you know, in terms of energy and, 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 and just the, the envelope, the so-called envelope. Um, so there's some exciting possibilities. The extent to which Indiana Department of Education is going to be promoting those, I'm just not sure yet. Um, but there are two years for, for this money to be spent, and there's probably going to be like a, an immediate list of things to spend it on that doesn't have a climate focus, even though I wish that was the top of mind. Um, I do think that, that again, it, there are climate and sustainability 
um, boosts sort of inhabiting all the all the plans, including the American Rescue Plan. Remind us how you got into Earth Charter Indiana. Why is it so important to be in the schools? Well, I mean, I I got into this because in the mid early 2000s, you know, like 2004, 5, 6, I started to recognize it that the uh, climate, which I wasn't paying much attention to at that point, environmental issues, sure. I mean, we're in Indiana, right? So always looking at the toxins and the, the, the chemical releases and the whatnot. But climate wasn't on my radar. But then the, I started paying attention to it and I went, oh my goodness. First of all, every country on planet Earth recognizes this is a problem, except the United States, Australia, and the United Kingdom. So these are the propaganda machines, you know, propping up the fossil fuel economy for one thing. Then there's also consumerism and just, and just whatever. Anyway, um, I went, oh, wow, this is going on. So a few years later, that terror that I felt, uh, I got lucky to be able to transition from my, my leadership role at Nuvo, which, which I loved and which was focused on environmental um, progress by writing good stories, but I just couldn't do anything that wasn't environmentally focused. And at Nuvo, I had to do a variety of things, not all of them environmental uh, related. So I got lucky because um, Earth Charter Indiana was looking for an executive director and I was looking to, to find a way into the climate activism field. One of the things that happened that was pivotal to this was I took a training with the Climate Reality Project, which gave me a 300-slide um, slide deck that I began to take around to communities like, like churches and art galleries. My first one was at the Harrison Center um, for FoodCon many years ago, eight, nine years ago I did that. And it was cool, you know. I'd never, I, I've been able to avoid PowerPoint for fifty some years, <laughs> <laughs> and here I am showing a PowerPoint. Um, but it was cool. I got to interact with people, get out of the office. That was fun. Well, I went to CFI two, which is a, a, a Center for Inquiry uh, Public School downtown, and because I was invited to uh, present to ten and eleven year olds, and that was uh, uh, it gave me some pause. I have children. I'm not I was a school teacher in the 90s. I'm not unfamiliar with this species of beings, but I didn't want to go and talk to them about climate change. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Well, this was an amazing school, still is. They're doing everything they can to be uh, preservationist minded. They're reducing their plastic consumption. They're capturing their food waste. They've got a garden. Um, they were wanting to put a um, you know green roof on their roof. I don't think they were able to do that. But but anyway, these kids were brilliant. They understood the greenhouse effect. They understood human impact on on uh, the climate, and and that was the most fun I had had in this terror state that I'd been in for years, thinking that there was no solution. And um, you know. The Earth Charter is very geared toward uh, uh, future generations, and Earth Charter Indiana was always using the tagline, perhaps borrowed from the Earth Charter, for our children's children. So it was just this, this perfect synchronicity of, of my, uh, my yearning to, to align my passion and purpose with my, with my profession. And Earth Charter Indiana was looking for, for someone to take that uh, stewardship. It sounds like you have found the perfect 
marriage of your of your own passions and helping generationally what what is to come is it easy or hard to get kids to see themselves as stakeholders well it's 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 a lot easier than it was before greta yeah she's pretty amazing you know isn't she? i would say for the first four four years and i'm now almost eight years into this i was like a baseball scout i would hear about some kid in northern indiana who had started a uh, a, a recycling project in their school or, you know, a kid that was working on a sustainability project on, in um, Columbus. Or, you know, I'd hear about these kids and I'd, through my, through my network, I would find the kid and, you know, I, it's always about finding a successful project and then replicating it across a whole system. Um, the solutions are all out there. I mean, that's the frustrating thing about this is solutions are all there. It's just a matter of breaking the habit and, and, and finding ways to, um, finding ways to to replicate these these success models but after Greta I started having kids come to me and they would say oh I found you on the internet um, I, 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 and, and I and I've been watching Greta's speeches and I want to go after Trump <laughs> and my response would be and I and this happened over and over I would say well that's very fine how would you like to meet your mayor instead and a lot of those kids got very excited about the idea that they could actually meet their mayor, that they could actually meet their city council, that maybe they would meet along the way a city engineer, a city arborist, a wastewater treatment a scientist, and that maybe by working locally they could impact their city and town and they could actually make change on a local level that could then be spread and replicated. So, so it, it, it's easier now because of Greta and it's easier now because of COVID. Because what's happened in the past 14 months is that, and this is just my anecdotal experience, right? Okay. And this is, of course, the caveat. All due respect and love to those who have suffered from this disease, from this virus, and lost loved ones. For the kids of Indiana, high, I'm not talking about high school, I'm gonna talk about high school kids right now. High school kids, of course, thrown into chaos with the do I go to school or not, and back and forth, and flex days and whatnot. By and large, they're sleeping in, like they have not slept in before. Brain science, and I've said this on your show before, kids don't wake up till 10.30 in the morning. Why are we trying to ram a square peg in a round hole by making them get to school at 7.30 or 8 or even 9 a.m.? It makes no sense. Their brains don't wake up. And evolutionarily, this makes sense because high school kids, back in the day, their senses were the most acuitous they would ever be. They could see more clearly, hear more clearly, and smell more clearly. <laughs> so they stayed up all night yes. to scan the dark, mysterious periphery for predators. So now what do we do with those kids? We make them get up at 7 in the morning. Or earlier. Or earlier. And of course they have homework till 11 or 12 or 1 in the morning. Well, anyway, there's just been fewer uh, extracurricular activities, which I'm sorry. They just made them more available. And I'm telling you, they have organized on a level that I have never seen before in Indiana. I, I agree with you. It's a, COVID has been so destructive and, and so sad for so many and, and so difficult. 
whether a loved one has died or whether you yourself have struggled with it as a long hauler or other side effects that you might have. I do appreciate, though, that there's a bit of a silver lining. There have been so many little COVID miracles. And yes, that absolutely, there have been. Um, and I think also that kids understand that this pandemic is a fraction of the crisis that we face and not just a bigger pandemic because of human sprawl, globalization, uh, biodiversity loss, the release of ancient viruses from the permafrost. It's like a, it's like a, a perfect storm of, of cliches. Yes, and we also have the ups and downs or the extremes, I should say, of weather. Yeah. that are so destructive yeah. and shifting everything. That's going to shift where people live. It's going to shift agriculture. It's going to shift travel. It's going to shift everything. Yeah. So I love that you've connected with these kids in spite of this pandemic in a positive way. Well, I'm, I'm just not equipped to argue about something that's so obvious, right? And I know that sounds kind of patronizing and horrible, but the truth is I'm just not equipped to argue with adults about these things. It's like the science is there. You might be looking in other um, corners of the internet and finding things to dispute the science, but it's overwhelming. And also, if you've lived more than a couple decades in one spot, you can see things are changing really quickly. Now, I grew up in South Bend. It just doesn't snow like it used to. So if I wasn't thinking about climate or science or whatever, you know, I'd be like, where'd the snow go, dude? <laughs> It's like, well, I don't know, but you know what? Now, in February, it rains instead of snows, and it rains on frozen ground because it's still cold in the winter, and it takes about five inches of rain to create historic flooding, which is what's happened in South Bend and Goshen and other northern Indiana towns these past few years. Historic flooding is happening. What you're saying about not arguing with adults who should be able, in your mind, in my mind, to see the science, to hear the science, to understand just what's going on around them. It's amazing how strong denial is. Simply amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I, I know I have my own bubbles uh, of, of self-deception. Um, but here's the thing about kids. First of all, they understand, I think intrinsically, they understand that that uh, climate action is climate justice, and climate justice is racial justice. You know, I have to go in and connect the dots. Like, we're, we're working in a couple cities right now uh, with these youth-led climate resolutions. I hope we have a chance to talk about this. It's really great. But, you know, I recently came across a mayor, and in the, in the resolution, the kids want the phrase environmental racism in there. And he's like, I don't know, what do you mean, you know? I mean, he's, he's great that the mayor is, is open enough to just basically question that phrase, right? The kids get it, and there needs to be some education of older people and understanding, like, why is it that marginalized people and people of color are the ones on the front lines of, of all environmental problems, you know, and climate change is going to be the mother of them all. So kids get that. You don't have to connect all the dots for them. They get it. And in fact, kids are the best educators of adults in that. And, and that's fantastic. 
Um, and they also get climate, and Greta is helpful there, but they're also learning about it in, oh, what do they call that? Oh, science in school. <laughs> and here's the most important thing, though, and, and what I've been learning is we're not getting the kids and putting them out front, right? We're empowering them to use their voice, but we've got their back. All of our projects in multiple cities in Indiana are intergenerational in nature because, you know, we're not sticking them out there to sink or swim, um, you know, metaphorically and literally, right? We're, we're getting them out there because it turns out that kids talking about this issue is the, is the only way to penetrate the veil of denial and self-deception and fear. I think people are feeling a lot of fear. And no matter how apocalyptic these kids understand their future to be, they're not. When they get up in front of a city council, when they, get, when they talk to a mayor, when they ask for a meeting with Governor Holcomb or whatever, they're hopeful. And they have to be hopeful because they're looking at decades of, of their lives ahead of them, which is why we have to make progress now. And on that note, if, if anyone is listening who would like to connect with Earth Charter Indiana, whether you be a teacher, a principal, a mayor, a school, a kid, or you know a kid who might want to connect with Earth Charter Indiana and be out there fighting for justice on all fronts. How do they do that, Jim? Uh, Earth, EarthCharterIndiana.org is the website, and, it, and the contact form comes to me, so I don't need to spell out my email uh, uh, in this conversation. And I want to, I wanna, um, you know, talk about our climate camps coming up in the summer. If you have a kid from really, really from six or seven on up through high school, we got a partnership with the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library this this summer. We're doing a week long camp for the arts and humanities. We're hoping for some middle and high school kids that want to spend a week. I mean, Kurt Vonnegut knew human impact negativity. Yes. He knew it firsthand through his his service in World War II, right? The Dresden. Uh, conflagration. Uh, so yeah, Earth Charter's got a lot of programs. We've got new programs for young journalists. We have a youth ambassadors program for seven to ten year olds. And so we're, we just keep rolling out these ways to get kids engaged, creative, and joyful on this subject that is anything but. And I think you are doing it. I think you are, are doing such great work. EarthCharterIndiana.org Go to your phones right now. <laughs> oh, wait, you can't get there. Let me dial. Yeah, let me dial that. Let me rotary dial that up. Jim Poiser, you're a gem. Thank you. Love you. Are you dealing with anxiety, pain, insomnia, or inflammation? If so, then CBD may be the answer you are seeking. At CBD Jubilee, we understand that you may have tried many different supplements and medications without success. CBD is a different kind of supplement. It works on a system in your body to get your whole self back in balance. We hope you will come talk to us at 6418 Carrollton Avenue in Broadripple, or you may check out our website, cbdjubilee.com. Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next week for a new edition of Ask the Resource Queen. Ask the Resource Queen.